A really efficient totalitarian state would be one in which the all-powerful executive of political bosses and their army of managers control a population of slaves who do not have to be coerced because they love their servitude. Aldous Huxley. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Secrets of Saturn. My name is Jason Lindgren. I am your host. Tonight I have Russell Blattberg joining us once again as my co-host. Good evening, Russell. Good evening, man. And tonight we're going to be interviewing a young lady named Amy Jacina Jansen, who has a very disturbing story to tell. Amy, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Jason and Russell. No problem. You're very welcome. Amy, just go ahead and tell your story. Okay, so um, I guess to start, I should start at the beginning. And the beginning is um, in January of 2011. And um, it was when I asked my children's father to leave our home. Um, his last financial act for our family was a $45,000 insurance fraud scheme. And uh, growing up in a family of law and banking, I couldn't have anything to do with that. And that was on top of four years of complete and utter misery with him. And um, on January 4th, 2011, he left our home with my two children. I had a four-month-old daughter. Vivian, and um, a three-year-old daughter, Sophia. He had moved into his mother's home, his, her apartment, and that's ultimately where he spent the next three years sexually abusing my daughter, domestically abusing and myself, my children, and um, also using uh, the courts and Child Protective Services um, and all my family and friends and the lovely group of Alcoholics Anonymous to ultimately try and ruin me and while well, ruining my children. Um, he started sleeping with Sophia in secret on January 7th, 2011. And I realized the first weekend that they came home that something was going on um, because they were just wrecked and it didn't, it took me about three weeks to figure out um, First, my daughter started wetting the bed, then she started sleepwalking, then she started having night terrors, and gradually things were getting worse and worse. Um, he was not paying any child support, he was not taking care of anything, and um, he was having a lot of fun. So um, I stopped the overnights, and I swear to God, the only reason I let him have overnights was because he was living with his mother. And um, even the church told me not to let him have overnights because the marriage counselor said that he wasn't emotionally mature enough. And um, don't I wish I would have listened to that now, but I didn't. And um, so then I started, I stopped the overnights in about March, maybe, maybe it was a couple, two months later. And um, I got us a neutral child specialist and we went over there and that was when he first served me with a, a uh, court document, a stipulation where he was fighting me for custody of our children. Now, granted, this man had nothing to do with me or my children for four years prior. In fact, he left me on the morning that I gave, the afternoon I gave birth to our second daughter, and he left to the casino with his father, and um, I didn't see him for a while, and I had kind of an emergent situation that day because I had health problems. Um, I had over a thousand needle injections in my belly to bring that baby into this world. And my Vivi Rose, she's my angel baby. She's ultimately what gave me the strength to um, have him leave our home. I left him with 
two children and uh, no money. All the bills were in my name. Um, I lost my career, my health. So anyways, um, that was the first time he started using these secret lawyers, right? And um, you should know that there's there's a program out there for fathers who are um, evil and who would like to inflict evil upon their spouses and their children. And it's um, it comes through these fathers' rights groups. Not all fathers' rights groups, but there are some. They also come through Catholic charities and... Um, so anyways, that's how they kind of formulate. And there's a guidebook, right? I haven't quite figured it out, but in the state of Minnesota, it's called the Unmarried Father's Guide to Paternity, Child Support, and Custody. It's basically a handbook on how to abuse the women, the children, and the system. It's written by uh, father's rights groups. Anyways, um, and there's no handbook out there for single mothers, by the way. Um, so... When we went to see the neutral child specialist, she had uh, she had created this plan for us. Well, I had um, did something really stupid, and I well, it wasn't stupid at the time, but I got married, and I was married for three months to this guy who was, you know, I thought he was loved me, whatever, and he he did love my children. He was very good to my children, but that ultimately opened up the doorway for my um, ex to pick up his abuse to a level of which I now can't speak about without getting extremely angry. And so um, the couple weeks after I got married, um, my children's father, I wouldn't let him see the girls for about a couple weeks in May of 2011 because he was just out of his mind, like rageful. And I knew he was doing really bad behaviors. And my daughter said, you know, my daddy knows how to keep secrets and now I know how to keep secrets too and just a gamut of things that were going on. And so I just decided that he needed like a cooling off period. And um, anyways, so the first weekend that he had my children was Memorial Day weekend 2011 by himself. And uh, he decided to take my children up to see his father up on the Iron Range in Minnesota. And that was where ultimately he um, ended up having my four-year-old daughter completely interrogated by, I guess, in her words, men in suits. She called them nice guys in suits. Um, but she said she wasn't going to listen to those nice guys in suits tell her to be naughty to her mommy anymore. When she came home from that visit, the next night, she stood on top of my bed, and she dumped a Mountain Dew can upside down on my bed, and um, she held her arms out at me, and I was just like, Sophia what is the matter and she was like or I said what is going on I was like what's the matter baby girl and I got her down off the bed and I started walking into her room because I was you know gonna sit her down in her room and you know I was gonna yell at her or something and something stopped me on the stair steps and I just sat her down on the steps and I was like baby girl what is going on and she said I swallowed a speckle at my daddy's house and now I have mean bones in my arms and I can't control myself and my tummy hurts and I need to go to the doctor it was 9 o'clock on a Monday night, and she went into her bedroom, and she took her nightgown off, and she put her big girl clothes on, and she met me at the front door, and she was ready to go to the doctor. I drove her to the emergency room in Waconia, Minnesota, and I had her examined. Um, we didn't know what was going on, and um, ultimately, outside of the hospital room, um, when we were getting ready to leave, I asked the doctor what he thought was going on, and he looked over at me, and he said, 
that at the very least manipulation was occurring by her father. Because he did not write this down on a piece of paper, Child Protective Services wouldn't do anything about it. Um, that was my first report was June 2nd, 2011 to Child Protective Services in Carver County. Um, now we're going to go through the summer of 2011 where all kinds of crazy stuff happened and my daughter had all kinds of um, behaviors and um, sexual behavior. Um, so the next time that she disclosed some serious information was in September of 2011, the day, I think it was the first or second day of school at her preschool. And she showed me how her daddy falls on her. And sometimes he falls with his clothes on and off. Sometimes he falls with them on and sometimes he falls with them off. And she showed me how he falls on her. And then she showed me how her daddy and her French kiss underneath the silk sheets. And uh, that Grandma Peggy can't know. And that um, sometimes they do it with baby Vivi. And that was my second CPS report to Carver County, Minnesota. And I have the CPS report whereby he admits in the report that he is sleeping with our daughter. And I want everybody to know that I am not reporting to Child Protective Services about my daughter cuddling with her daddy. I am reporting about the fact that my daughter is being made to keep it a secret. That's what I was reporting and the behaviors that were going on along with it. Um, by September of 2011, my daughter had already been trained to not speak about what goes on at her daddy's house. Um, my second CPS report, I brought her to Children's Hospital in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and had her examined by a um, children's forensic, you know, psychologist. And because she didn't speak whatever they asked her in the, you know, one and a half minute interview, um, mind you, she was trained to not speak for nine months at that point. Um, they didn't. They didn't find any abuse. In fact, they yelled at me in that interview that this wasn't about child support because see also while he was sexually abusing my daughter and making her keep secrets from her mama um, and my other daughter he who was a baby at the time he was also um, training the the institutions to um, to prepare to help him abuse us and um, so they all thought it was over child support, and the CPS report shows, yes, I sleep with my daughter. I sleep on the top sheet, and she sleeps underneath the sheet, and Child Protective Services in Carver County actually made a safety plan because they didn't want something like this to keep happening, whereby Sophia would just sleep in pajamas in her own bed. Well, that's not what happened. Um, in fact, fast forward to uh, we went through court. He... he Carver County actually has me making $42,500 a year and him making 27000 And mind you, I was medically disabled at the time and hadn't worked in three years. And they made our child support based upon me making $42,000 a year and him making $27,000. He totally lied about his how much he was making. And I mean, I've got 20 paychecks, Dub Sean, and making 20 bucks an hour, whatever. It doesn't even matter. But... um. 
so it's like a combination of abuse, right? And by now he already had the child protective or the um the child protective services were on his side, the child support workers were on his side, the county attorney for Carver County was on his side, and he also had secret lawyers that he was working with, but he would show up to court and act like, you know, oh poor me, I don't have a lawyer. I'm you know, she took she left me, blah blah blah. So they make us women out to be um mentally retarded. Uh, while abusing our children, and um, so then, then we go to uh, to about November twenty first of two thousand eleven, and that was when I had a court order finally for twelve hundred dollars a month in child support, and um, visitation was set out, and uh, you know everything was set, and I thought, oh my god, eleven months of economic abuse, and I left out all of the economic abuse that had gone on for those eleven months. Um, the man evaded paternity through two counties. He's not even on their birth certificate right now, and uh, to evade child support. And so, I get the court order for child support, and that was just the beginning of our hell and our nightmare. I thought we were done fighting, and oh no, that was just the beginning. You see, because these guys have this plan where they give the girls, they give the women the custody. You see, at first, because what this is is. They go in after them after about two years. All of us women are all at about two years where it's post-dissolution uh, transfers of custody. It's a it's it's like a two-year program of abuse, and I'll get to that in a second. So I sign a lease based upon a twelve hundred dollar quarter for child support, only to find out a month later that he dis- that there's a clause that he knew about. I didn't know anything about it. I never had a lawyer and. And uh, that he could have the child care portion of child support administratively suspended if one of the parents decides that child care support isn't needed. Well, child care support was $700 of $1,200. So he pays one month of court child support, and already he's down way underneath half. And now I'm looking at my mother to help me with the rent. I had gotten a paralegal job and had gotten fired from that because of, well, chaos. Um I had gotten another paralegal job in May of 2012, and um, he had been serving me, you know, six months worth, or in those six months, he served me six different stipulations of $0 amount in child support and 50% custody, and he would never give up these two, he had to have these Tuesday overnights because there's this 12% reduction in child support. So anyways, um, he got me fired from my next paralegal job because he made arrangements to have his mother help me watch the children so I could get up on my feet. And then he slammed the children back at me and all of a sudden his mother couldn't do it. And then I got fired and then, cause I didn't have childcare. And then all of a sudden his mother could take care of the kids again. And the reason I'm telling you all this is because it's just, it's just a little glimpse of the, um, of the game that he's been playing. And, um, because I wouldn't sign these stipulations, these new order, I mean, one month after I got a court order, I'm already getting new stipulations for $0 mountain child support. And that was when he started fighting me for custody. That was also when my daughter was, um, I don't want to give away too much privacy, but horrible behaviors of a, of a beautiful child that, that were not normal. And, um... And I should know because um, I've spent from the time I was nine years old until I was until now taking care of children. Um, I used to watch 14 kids a day for six years. It, it's just I know children and I know the law. 
and I'm disillusioned right now at what's happening with my children. Um, she started, I don't even want to go there. So um, then after I wouldn't, I got fired from that job, and all of a sudden he could, you know, it was, then he, he falsely charged me with domestic abuse against my children um, based upon a bipolar diagnosis I'd gotten six months earlier with the help of my mother who made two concerned phone calls to my psychiatrist for seven years and who gave me a 15-question questionnaire and, and diagnosed me bipolar in the middle of a divorce, a custody dispute, and a move in the middle of winter with two children. Um, so the court, the judge who actually took my children this time, um, actually called him out in court and said, Mr. Pallaranta, you are in the wrong court to switch custody. He basically told him it was false allegations of domestic abuse, ordered him to immediately return my children, and um, and he did it. And it took two different police stations to get him back. Um, meanwhile, my children come home and they tell me that their daddy says they're never going to see them ever again. This guy's already getting a new girlfriend. He's already, You know, it's like I'm starting to get a little bit last year because it's so much stuff, but um, he used those domestic abuse charges against me, the false allegations, to get this new girlfriend that he's got, and um, she's a social worker, by the way. I'm not quite sure if she's involved in what's going on or if she's ignorant to it, so that part I haven't figured it out yet, but he is using her daughter to psychologically abuse my daughter because um, there was an incident where he uh, used her to call my daughter and I mean, after the phone call conversation, I thought her boyfriend broke up with her for God's sake, and it was it was horrible. That was in January of 2011. So then he sues me for custody after I go homeless in 2012 because by then I'd have lost two jobs. I was homeless again with two babies. He didn't come after me then for which he because he didn't. He's never wanted my children. Um, and then in September he sued me again for custody. Like, welcome to kindergarten. Here's another custody dispute. And this was right after. I had told him that our daughter needed therapy because something was going on, and immediately he threatened with taking custody. Uh, in Scott County, this woman named Deborah Battles, who is a psychologist who I spoke to for five minutes, told me that um, it sounds like grooming to me. Um, that was stated in Scott County. So there's about five counties in, in Minnesota who are involved, who all are aware of what's been going on, who I've reported to, and who have literally done nothing to help us. Um, so... He doesn't. He, he tries to put a stipulation through the court in September with my signature on it, uh, with this fucked up, sorry, this screwed up lawyer. And um, had I not had this feeling that I should call the court, he they were actually going to. His lawyer was actually putting before a judge a stipulation with my signature on it for zero dollars a month in child support and over fifty percent custody. I just had this weird feeling I should call the court that day, and sure enough, I did. And and I even had the email from from one of the county attorneys saying, "So I guess we don't have an agreement." And I was received messages that Miss Jansen absolutely made no agreement and will never make an agreement, and not and to be suspicious of anything that comes my way. So, um, you know, we've got fraud, we've got manipulation, we've got sexual abuse, we've got domestic abuse, economic abuse, we've got institutional abuse. I can tell you all the time about how the child support officer would sit behind his side. Um, he, he used these, they, they do it together. Anyways, I'm getting ahead of myself. So um, I'm going to fast forward to where we're at in 2014, where it kind of picked back up again. And um, he moved in with his girlfriend in September. And I honestly let my guard down a little bit because I thought, you know, my children are 
safer and with him having a girlfriend and that was a big mistake because um she's um I don't know how to tell the details without I don't want to hurt my daughter's privacy and disclose the behaviors but um last fall That's all right. She was exhibiting some behaviors and she developed this uh psychological nose grunting problem which um, happened right after what I believe now is um, the result of her being, uh, well, first of all, trained for three years to be quiet, um, told that I would die, me, her mother, I would die if I knew the secret, um, and that she'd been penetrated. And um, she couldn't, she didn't. She was so confused that I think that she developed this psychological nose grunting problem. And I brought her to the doctor, and and they um, they said that it was uh, to give her Benadryl for two weeks, and you know, let's see how it goes. Well, I've tried seven times in three years to bring my children to a therapist, and seven times this man has done something to knock us to knock me financially off my wheel where I then immediately lost my home and um, was threatened with having my children taken from me. Um, he has my mother, my sister, half of my family, um, 300 of my closest AA friends have all turned on me. They all think that I'm, you know, crazy. And, um, he's good. He's really good and he's getting away with it. And, um, so in January, I remember not being able to wait until, um, the girls got to go for a week over at their daddies. You know, I'm a single mother and I've had health issues and I just needed a break. And, um, this is where my guilt lies right now and my shame in that I needed a break from being a single mother. Isn't that horrible? And, um, Something happened because when they came home on January 1st, my seven-year-old daughter who came home in slippers and pajamas because he didn't want his things to come to my home, like her boots and her <laughs> clothes, um, she, had an, uh, she had an aggressive outburst, of which I've never seen before, and her whole entire body clenched up, and she was gritting her teeth, and her nose grunting problem was back and, and she, I had to pick her up and well, I didn't have to, but I ran and I picked her up and I brought her over to the kitchen window and I started rocking her and singing to her and we sang our song, the I see the moon song. And, um, and after a little bit, she started to, she kind of snapped out of it. And while she was doing that, my other daughter had taken off all of her clothes and she started running around and touching butts. She was touching, you know, came up and touched my butt. And she touched her sister's butt with her clothes off. And she's only three years old. And she had never done anything like this before. And I remember hollering. And I said, all right, girls, what in the hell happened over at your daddy's? Like, what is going on? And Vivian started to talk. And then Sophia said, Vivi. And she stopped her. And I didn't know what to do. And so I... um said all right girls let's go upstairs and we're going to take a bath and so I go upstairs and I run a bath and um Vivian had an aggressive outburst her whole entire body clenched up and she started gritting her teeth and I didn't know what the hell was going on and 
I got done rocking her because I sang the song to her too and she kind of came out of it and I figured it was I didn't know I don't know what I figured um but I was leaning over the bathtub and as I leaned over the bathtub my three-year-old daughter came up behind me and ever so gently swiped my vagina with her hand and um I just sat down right away and with my girls on the bathroom floor and I was gave them the we had to have the talk about how, you know, we don't touch butts and we had to have the talk about our privates and I put him in the bathtub and I gave him a bath and washed him up and brushed their hair and got him dressed and um and I remember thinking that something terrible had happened. And within that week my daughter, you know, school started the next day. She had to go back to school at her new town and she um she couldn't remember how to spell her name, and she's in first grade. And so we've been spending you know a year and a half at this point on phonics and writing her name. And she couldn't remember how to spell her name, and she couldn't remember how to do her phonics. And she got she was a ten out of ten spelling test student. And she dropped down to eight out of ten, and then the next week it was five out of ten, and the next week after that it was four out of ten. And that's when I called the school and I had a meeting, and I told them that um that something was wrong and that I suspected sexual abuse and that, you know, I just needed everybody to be aware and that if my daughter were to come to the nurse's office that I needed to be notified. And they asked me if I wanted the public health nurse to come out to my house because we had just moved into this big house in the country and nothing worked, everything was broken. And so I said, sure. I said, I need all the help I can get to make sure, you know, I'm doing everything right, get us on track, you know, I needed help. And, um, the public health nurse came out and I remember her sitting there talking with me the first time. And she said, um, what if, you know, cause I told her all the stuff that had been going on. And she said to me, what if, um, what if he is terrorizing your daughter the way he is terrorizing you? And that was when it flicked in my head. And I, um, the next day I took her, to the, I took both my daughters to the medical doctor in our little town in Dassel, Minnesota, and a nurse examined both of my children, and I remember her examining Sophia, and um, she looked, and then she started to walk away, and then she came back and she looked again because she saw exactly what I saw. But see, the fact that she's not experienced in sexual abuse of children, and she was just a nurse in a small town... She didn't see anything. She didn't write anything down. And so the next day, because that nurse had to make a report, you know, anytime there's a suspect of sexual abuse, the next day I went into Child Protective Services and sat down with an investigator and also with the Child Protective Services worker and had my first taped interview. And about 10 minutes through, they didn't believe me and they thought that I was lying. And I didn't know what was going on, and that's what I've been stipulating this whole time, is that I don't know what's going on, and that's why I keep reporting whatever the behaviors are going on, because I'm trying to figure out what's going on. Um, That Child Protective Services worker told me to check myself into the mental facility over the weekend while I was just twiddling my thumbs. Um, Because, of course, that's what all single mothers are doing when they are in my situation. We're twiddling our thumbs. So, a couple weeks later, February 7th was the day I 
had my daughter at the dentist. It was for free smiles, dental cleaning. We didn't have dental insurance. And my daughter had the most traumatic experience that I've ever witnessed in my entire life or even seen or heard about anywhere at the dentist. And that it was hor it's still horrifying. Um, the image is clear in my mind. And I had to meet her daddy after that dental appointment. He took off work early to meet us a town away to give us the Lenovo tablet that he had bought in my daughter for, for Christmas. She was six. And... Um, we went and I met him at the cafe and uh, the girls sat with him to eat and he wanted me to sit with him and he had this look on his face because by now he was well aware that Child Protective Services had been called by me for the third time on suspicions of sexual abuse and um, he looked defeated. He looked like the jig was up and... Um, he wanted me to sit with them real bad, and I wouldn't sit with them. I made up, you know, I said I got to go clean out the car, and you can sit with the girls, and I watched him and from outside, and and um, I was afraid to sit with him because I was afraid of what I would say or do in front of my children, um, to be honest with you. And um, the next morning, that night, after the girls went to bed, I picked up that Lenovo tablet, and I looked at the browser search. And the browser search, the first thing was this thing called www.backdoor.com slash Minneapolis St. Paul. And when I clicked on it, it went to this, like, child sex trafficking site. And I panicked because I was like, what in the hell is that? The next browser search was for these trials that he had was browsing for on men who are getting away with murdering women. Then the next search was for Cabela's, Cabela's gunshot. And the next search was for, um, well, I can't remember what the next search was, but it was, it was just equally disturbing. Um, but then I went and hit the Gmail button and up popped his account and um, at first glimpse, it just looked like, you know, the the generic email account that you have to use to hook up to the new tablets and such. And until I looked closer and it was all these, uh, like over 150 of these Amazon.com receipts. And when you opened them up, they were for like kids games and, you know, hostage games and, you know, bejeweled, whatever, like all these video games and stuff and like I um I'm against video games for my daughters and so that's what he uses and whatever I'm not going there but um I found a hypnosis receipt dated December 28th 2013 and I forgot to mention a really important part and that is is that on January 1st when my girls came home and they got into the bathtub my daughter had bruising on the inside of her thighs, upper part of her thighs, and she had no idea how they had gotten there. So that's an important part. And um, so I found that hypnosis receipt, and then I looked, and there was massage parlor receipts for Minneapolis all, the, all during that week that he had my girls for Christmas break. Then there was boudoir photo session receipts. I don't know about you guys, but if you know anything about child sex porn or child sex trafficking, um, this kind of stuff is right in line with what these guys are doing. 
and Japanese restaurants and um, just weird, bizarre shit. And I don't know what hit me, but the next morning, well, it did hit me. I do know what hit me. It hit me. And the next morning, my daughter got up at about 5.30 in the morning. And she came in because she hasn't slept through the night, you know, since she was a baby. Um, she has all these night terrors. And she told me all these times about how she was getting the flu over at her daddy's house. And he would take her for walks to get soup. I mean, there is so much abuse involved in this. It's not even funny. Um, last September, it came out at the dinner table about how their daddy let them hold his shotguns. And when I asked my daughter what she was pointing at, you know, when she held daddy's guns, she told me the mirror. She's like at myself in the mirror. And then she told me that baby Vivi got to hold it too. And um, so they did it in the back bedroom of his mother's house. He put shotguns in my little girl's hands and showed them how to shoot at themselves in the mirror. I have an email that I sent him in September about that. So... I sat down with Sophia that morning because I needed answers and enough was enough. And I used a book that I had gotten two weeks earlier from the pre-source, the preschool resource center. And um, it was called how to talk to young children about uncomfortable touch, a parent's handbook on sexual abuse. And there was seven steps inside of that book, you know, it was step one through seven. And one of the steps, I think it was like four or five or something like that. You had to actually like, and it told you how to talk to your children and it showed you what you're supposed to do. You had to play, act things out. And um, the one thing we had to act out was how we had to stand up. And if somebody is, you know, in our in our space or whatever, too close to us that, you know, you stand up and you you put your hand up and you, sh and you yell no. And um, you've never seen a little girl stand up and holler no so fast in your entire life with such conviction as my seven-year-old daughter that morning. Step six was giving up the secret. And um, it took about 20 or 30 minutes for that part. And it was very traumatizing for both of us, I can assure you. Um, step seven was calling for help. And just to go back to step six... My daughter confirmed and disclosed more things than I ever could have imagined even suspecting in my wildest dreams. Um, step seven was calling for help. And you were supposed to ask the child if they wanted to call for help. And I asked my daughter if she wanted to call for help because calling for help is supposed to stop the abuse. And she said yes. She wanted mommy to call the police. Okay? She's seven. She's been holding on to a secret for three years. She told me that I would die that morning. And she cried how she doesn't want me to die. Okay? So, immediately after she disclosed, she started talking like a baby in my arms. And I was rocking her. Telling her everything was okay. And that she was the most perfect child that God ever made. And she could never do anything wrong. It took me a while to explain to her that um, by keeping the secret, you protect the abuser and how important it is to tell the truth and that secrets keep us sick. We called. I called the police 
I went outside to the garage and I reported it to the police in Meeker County, Minnesota. And now this was my second report in two weeks to, to the police and to Child Protective Services of suspected sexual abuse. The first report I did without my daughter because I was trying to do it on my own. I was trying to do it without traumatizing my child or, you know, having anything bad happen to her. And that morning, I even told, I even yelled at them on the phone. I said, you know, I, I said every person I've reported this to has fucked this up before. And I said, I, you know, please don't fuck this up. And um, when the dispatcher finally gave me to an officer, and I told him what was going on. Um, the guy that was sitting with them on the line or whatever hollered out bullshit in the middle of my report. Okay, so the police now are hollering out bullshit at my report. All right, so I get off the phone. They told me to take the tablet with the sex trafficking information and the boudoir photo sessions and all this shit, and they told me to bring it to the investigator on Monday morning, and they would look at it. Um... Monday morning turned out to be too late because I was hosting my daughter's birthday party that morning. So I went back inside the house because it was February. It was cold outside. I was out there for a while. I go back inside, and I'm sitting down on the kitchen floor, and my other daughter is still sleeping, and it was about 7.30 in the morning. And Sophia was in the room, and she was coloring a picture, and she brought me over this picture, and she stood in front of me, and she handed me this picture, and it was a picture of a face with eyes and the nose and the ears and the hair and earrings in the ears and eyelashes and no mouth. And she stood in front of me and she handed me the piece of paper and she made the zip it sign across her lips. And then she wanted to go and color. But she wanted to, and she started asking me about her birthday party that I was supposed to be hosting that day. You know, we can, we can decorate. She wanted to decorate for the birthday party. And um, she wanted everything to be normal, okay? And I told my baby, I said, do you believe mommy when mommy tells you that I'm going to, stop the abuse because she is frightened to death let me tell you what these people have been doing to my children these nice guys what these people have been threatening with my daughter not to mention her father is criminal to say the least um she has righteous fear they have frightened her to death um she told me that my mommy keeps promises, not secrets. And so that's what I'm doing, is I'm trying to keep my promise, and there will be no secret. So I call my mother, and I tell my mother what's going on, and I tell her she needs to come down to sit with me and my girls and to help me because I needed help. And um, after my mom gave me a bunch of bullshit on the phone and you know, she wanted to know, what did Sophia say? What did she say? What did she say? Well, I'm here to tell you right now, for everybody who's listening. She didn't say very much, okay? It wasn't what she said. It was what she didn't say. It was what she looked like. It was how she looked at me, how she buried her head in my shoulder, in my chest, Okay? So it was hard for me to just come right out and say, and I can't say now on the radio because I'm trying to protect my daughter's privacy. Um, so my mother did come. And in the meantime, I was sitting there on the kitchen floor <laughs> with all these thoughts. 
and I started writing on this note card all my thoughts. And one of those thoughts was that I was gonna that I prayed that I prayed the police find him before I do. Otherwise, I'm gonna blow your dick off with the shotgun that you put in our little girl's hands and bury you out back and spit on your grave on Sundays. And then, <laughs> and then I made it his G plus profile picture to out him, not to threaten him, to out him to the 300 people he had been calling me crazy to for three years. Okay, people. So then I go to Walmart after my mom gets there <laughs> because I still had an entire birthday party for four little girls from the brand new school in our brand new town that I had to put on in just a couple of hours. I didn't have the cake. I didn't have the gifts. I didn't have the decorations up. Clearly, it was not the appropriate timing, but I was supposed to have the birthday party the week before, only he used a clause in our stipulation to come and take my children out crying on the, the weekend before when I was supposed to host the first birthday party on her actual birthday. He kicked his foot through my front door and took my kids out. Okay. So this was our second attempt at the slumber birthday party my daughter wanted to have so bad. He waited 14 hours. In the middle of the night at 3 o'clock in the morning, I got a knock on my door, and it was two Meeker County police officers, the ones that I'd spoken to. In fact, one of the officers said, hey, do you remember me? Because I remember talking to him in the gas station a couple weeks before, and I asked him the question, what kind of evidence do you need to prove sexual or child abuse? I actually asked him that in the gas station parking lot when I was trying to figure all this shit out. And he remembered me. And um, and then there was one Carver County police officer, and that's that's the one we're worried about here. Well, now I know that Meeker County is involved in in this sex trafficking scandal. I know that Ramsey County is involved. That's St. Paul, Minnesota. Um, probably Hennepin County, I'm guessing. Um, there's also a couple counties up north and possibly Olmstead County. There's a number of counties in, that are actually involved in sex trafficking of children. Um they charged me with terroristic threats, felony terroristic threats for sending that, for changing his G plus profile picture with that. And um, they came and they arrested me and he tried to have my children put in foster care that night. They wouldn't let me call my mother. She had left, you know, she had her thing. She had whatever she's, she's not on, she's not for my children. Um, so I got arrested all those parents got called and honest to God, I spent three days in jail and I'm telling you right now, um, that was not an attack on me having me arrested. Um, that was an attack on our seven year old daughter to let her know what would happen if the secret come out. Because since then we spent five consecutive days after I got out of jail, uh, running from him um, he was sending police officers over to our house to, to do well checks. He was calling umpteen. I mean, it was like over 17 phone calls in three days. Um, I think it was 54 phone calls in a week is what I got that week. Um, he was using it from police officers. Uh, no, from their, from my children's father trying to get a hold of Sophia on the telephone. So he wanted to talk to Sophia, right? Um, and, no, the police officers didn't call for us at all. They came. He was sending them out to us to do welfare checks because I couldn't send Sophia to school because he was waiting for her. 
to come get her. And um, I wouldn't let her out of my custody. And because Child Protective Services had gone to her school and they asked her what this this was the investigation of Meeker County Child Protective Services from the January 27th or 28th report. They went to my daughter's school unbeknownst to me, pulled her out of class, brought her into a room and asked her what her favorite TV shows were, gave her a piece of candy and sent her back to class. I would never have even known that that happened had my daughter not told me she met the nice lady who gave her candy. Okay. So that was the result. That that was the end of their investigation. They, um, He told them that I have a mental condition. They accepted it. Uh, they asked my kid what kind of TV show she liked. She told them Victorious and um, SpongeBob, I think. And that was it. That was how they investigated. So, um, so now let's fast forward to Wednesday, a couple days after I got out of jail. And that was, it was about 20 minutes after he had sent the second sheriff over to our house to do these, you know, these welfare checks. Like, I'm sorry, he hadn't done a welfare check on anything in four years. And now all of a sudden after my report, all of a sudden he's doing welfare checks. He's just, he was doing it to scare us. We were, we were sufficiently scared. Um, I told the second deputy what had happened and that I had just made the report. The deputy said she was going to give us a little bit of time before she called their dad and told them that everything was fine to give us to go up to the um, county, the Meeker County Courthouse to fill out the order for protection. So I called the, um, the short bus because um, I didn't have the car seats. My mother had taken those. And um, I had to take a bus up there, and I, I had the five five bags in the suitcase and my two kids and we took the bus up to the courthouse and um and the bags were filled with documents our proof as to what was going on the abuse by the county and every all the abuses and um we get we get to the courthouse and it was i they told me i had until 420 or 415 or something like that to uh to see the judge and it was about 2.30 when we got there. So we sat in the law library, me and my two little girls and all of our stuff. And I frantically filled out this order for protection by myself in the state that I was in, which was a frantic state. And um, and I even remember one of the ladies came over from the, from the court administration and complimented me on my children because she said, oh, your children are being so good and they are so well behaved. My children are such good girls. I love you babies, by the way. And... Um, so at about 4.05, I, I go up to the um, give the order for protection to give it to the judge. And the lady at the counter says, the judge is done for the day. And then the bailiff comes. And um, after I said, no, what do you mean? You told me I had until this time. And she's like, I'm sorry, the judge is done for the day. And I said, well, we can't go home without a protective order. And she's like, I'm sorry. And then the bailiff showed up and he stood in front of us and he said, I'm sorry, man. There's, you know, you got to go. You got to leave the building. And... Um, my daughter started to burst into tears because she didn't understand why the judge didn't want to hear her story. And then I started crying because my daughter's crying and we can't go home and I've got all these bags and these two babies and nobody's helping us. And I didn't understand why nobody would help us. I understand now. Um, but we ended up having to leave the building and there was this couple that helped us, this young guy and this young girl who were, at the court, and they were on foot also because I didn't have a car, see. And um, they helped me carry all my bags and walk my babies over to the American Legion across the street. 
And then I, I grabbed a table in the back corner because I was still scared that Jeff was out looking for me and that, you know, now the police were kind of on the tail. And, um, or they were aware of what was going on. So they were, we were being, our tabs were being kept on us, basically. Let's put it that way. And so we sat in the back corner and I ordered up some food. Luckily, I had money at that point and I told the waitress that we were, you know, waiting for our, my mother. And I, I had called my mother again and I said, Mom, I said, we need your help. And I said, Sophia needs your help. We need your help. Can you please come help us? And she finally came out again. And um, she took my children and I to this hotel because we couldn't, we, we couldn't go home. And um, so we were at a hotel because I had court the next day for my terroristic threats. I had to go and plead whether or not I was going to be guilty or not guilty or whatever. And, um, or no, maybe that was the omnibus. I'm not sure. I had to go. I had to court the next day. And so when we got to the hotel, I had to go back to our house because Sophia was on, because of her nose grunting problem, I had, was, we were on that Benadryl treatment for two weeks, and so I had to go home and get the Benadryl and some of our clothes and things because we clearly couldn't be home for a while. So um, I go back to my house, and I got spooked. I lived in a big house all open windows, I mean, floor-to-ceiling windows in my whole entire house in the middle of the country. Now, um, a, my friend had already, and I, had already witnessed vehicles being parked at the top of my of my driveway with their lights off, driving away with their lights off. Like, I would already knew I was being watched. And I went to go pick up the phone because I got spooked. And um, I was paranoid, I'm not going to lie, and uh, rightfully so. And I pick up the phone, and there's all these weird beeps. And I was like, what the hell? And I hung up the phone again, and I picked it up, and I called 911. And um, they answered, and I told them, I said, you know, I'm out here. I need to pack some things up. This is what's going on. And I said, I just was wondering if you could, like, send an officer out here to just stand at my door while I pack some things because I'm spooked. And um, they sent somebody out. They sent two officers out. And right when the officers got there, they came up into my bedroom and, you know, they were, they did a little walk around to see if anybody was there or whatnot. Cause I was thoroughly spooked. And, um, when we were in my bedroom and I was packing up a suitcase of my girl's clothes and things, I mentioned the words sex trafficking and Carver County to this officer who immediately went to go put his hand on his gun. Okay. I thought this man was going to fucking. Sorry, I thought he was going to shoot me in my back in my bedroom after I said that. Then the guy that he was with, the other officer, got on his shoulder phone or whatever, his shoulder walkie-talkie, and he called the investigator who had just the day before closed my, my CPS case, my, my open child protective services case. He closed it, right? The one that from Saturday, which they never investigated, they never even... They didn't do anything. They did nothing. They opened it, and then they closed it, opening up the door for my ex to come in and do an order of protection against me um, So uh, with my children. So um, he, the other officer gets off of his phone and says, we've got to take you to the hospital. And I was like, what? And he was like, do you remember investigator blah, blah, blah? He, said, he says that we need to take you to the hospital. And I'm like, I'm not going to the hospital. I said, I called you guys here for help. I'm like, we need help here. And I have court tomorrow. And I'm like, you're not taking me to the hospital. And so he took him four phone calls 
on his on his in five minutes he made to this investigator and finally he was like all right well where are you staying and who's with the children and where are the children and at that point i was thoroughly scared now because now i realized what i had just done what i had just done was told the people who i believe are involved in the sex trafficking that i know about the sex trafficking and i <laughs> so I basically just put myself in major danger and my children. Um, they followed me back to the hotel and they sat out there for about 20 minutes. And I remember sitting there watching them. Well, that night after I um, went and kissed my babies goodnight and left them in the room with my mother, I went out to the, use the internet, the computer at the hotel. And um, I remember having i remember my friend my domestic violence advocate he was out at my house a couple weeks before all this stuff went down and he was telling me about this you know judge perkins and carver county corruption and blah 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 and all this stuff these mothers that were losing their children every time they reported sexual abuse and all this crazy stuff and so i i went on to that carvercountycorruption.com site and that was when i came across um, the other pieces to the puzzle and um, there's this thing called Signs of Safety. It's a program that they use to try and prevent sexual abuse. And I actually believe that it's used to train them how to sexually abuse. Um, then there's this thing called the Erickson's Technique. And this is where it gets frightening because um, that is what my child has suffered. She has suffered from the Erickson's technique. And what the Erickson's technique is three parts. It's one part trance therapy, trance technique, it's one part hypnosis, and it's one part electroshock therapy. Now, I also forgot to tell you that on January 1st, my daughter came home and she had those damn bumps on her ankle again. They call them epidermis. It happens to be a direct result from electroshock therapy. When I took her to the skin doctors in 2011 when it first started. See, and what this electroshock therapy is, and this is the most frightening thing. They use electroshock therapy to alter the sexual behavior of children. To bring on aggression, to bring on regression, to change their minds, to, um, to alter their sexual behavior, to bring on spontaneous orgasms in children. Um... It's highly disturbing, considering the behaviors that have, I have witnessed in my child over the course of three years. Um, the hypnosis receipt that I found in the tablet that suddenly went missing 20 minutes before my arrest. And now there's no trace of it except for the fact that Carver County has that laptop, that tablet in their possession, in their custody. Um and then the phone calls that Jeff had been making after after he brought Sophia home. And the thing about trance technique is it's not what you say, it's how you say it. So you'd never a random person would never know that it's a t that you're using a trance technique on a child just by the way they say their name and how they talk. It's very bizarre. So I kind of put all these things together and um, I remember going and then I read about the nice guys okay that was the second time 
The first time I'd heard about the nice guys was from my daughter at the age of four. About how she wasn't going to listen to the nice guys in suits. Tell her to be naughty to her mommy anymore. Um, I went back into the hotel room and my daughter was sitting up. And it was about midnight. She was sitting straight up in the bed. And um, my mother was sitting on the bed. And I walked over to the bed and I sat down on the bed. And I looked over at Sophia with conviction. And I said, Mommy knows why you're so scared. And I said... Um, that I'm going to protect us and um, and everything was going to be okay and that she needn't worry. And she looked at me like she didn't have to say a word. We had a moment there on that bed, our eyes meeting, and my mom witnessed it, even though 10 minutes later she weirdly, completely and utterly denied that anything had even occurred or that anything was even said. It was very bizarre. I don't know. My mom needs help. Let's pray for her. Um, so I went back out and I started doing some more research. And I was talking to some friends. And, um, you know, eventually the next morning I had to go to court. And I actually made the judge read out what I wrote on that note card in front of the entire court. And I remember the people in the back were laughing. And I was bound and determined that I was going to bust out the sex trafficking right then and there in that courtroom. Only something made me hold it in. And that was because um, it, was, it wasn't the right time. But um, so I didn't have my car still because my mom wouldn't bring me home. My mom and my sister had an ulterior, ulterior plan. They were going to help Jeff, my ex, get me put in a mental institute. And um, so I, I didn't know this at the time, but I, um, I went along with it. I went to go. My sister watched the kids while I was in court because I wouldn't let them out of my sight. And um, then my sister volunteered to take us back to her house in Apple Valley. And so we went to Apple Valley and we stayed overnight. And while we were over there, I was talking to my little sister and she was saying, you know, Amy, maybe you should come move in with me. They have a basement and... You know, then you wouldn't be alone and you'd have help and you're so, so far out in the country. And, you know, we had this whole plan where I was going to pay 700 bucks a month and it was going to be great, right? I was going to finally um, take all these boxes of evidence I've been collecting for three years and I was going to make damn sure that Jeff was terminated from my children's, his rights were terminated I'm Sorry, not him terminated. Let me clarify. Um, but that his parental rights were terminated um, on all the abuses that had been occurring because I have proof. That's the funny thing is that anybody who wants any proof as to what I'm saying, I have 10 boxes up in the barn over here that I would gladly love to give to somebody to investigate and to prove because it's there. Um, and so anyways, the next day after we slept overnight, Thursday night, Friday was Valentine's Day, and here's where it gets bad. I realized that my sister was up to something because I had found in her computer that she, or she let me use her iPad, and I looked at her, I went into her Gmail just like I was going into the other Gmail, and honest to God, I wasn't snooping. I was going to use my own email account, and I saw this stuff. Like, these people are not hiding this very well, and I found these emails between my mother and my sister from two years prior 
where they tried to get me into a mental institute because of whatever the hell. My mother wants custody of my children. She told me she could do a better job raising my children than I could. <clears throat> I'm sorry. She's a drunken alcoholic and uh, very abusive and violent, so I find that very hard to believe. Anyways, um, that they were going to, they had a whole visitation schedule planned out. My mom was going to have the girls, and I was going to go over there and visit my girls during the day and watch them on the weekends while they went up and had margaritas on the deck at the cabin. I mean, it was bizarre what I found. And my sister was acting all strange. And 5.30 p.m., come 5.30 p.m. on Valentine's Day, that six days after my daughter discloses sexual abuse by her daddy, it was his next scheduled visit with my children. And by law, I had to turn my children over to him at 5.30 p.m. And I knew he was going to come looking for me. I knew he was going to come with police. And I also knew that my mother and my sister had given up our location and that he knew where we were. So I had called a friend of mine to come pick me and my kids up to get us out of there by 5.30. Only I called an unreliable friend, and I kind of think she's somewhat involved in, in Jeff's little uh, mob of people because she's the one that told me a couple of years ago that Jeff was calling all of my friends in Facebook, which I met him in AA, and there's literally nothing that nobody doesn't know about me in AA, so... It's like, um, what secrets are you going to find? Because I've spoken at every church basement and detox center and jail in Minnesota, practically, for six years and sponsored over 30 men and women. So it wasn't like I have very many secrets, right? Because secrets keep us sick. I just want to remind the viewers that. Um, and so she screwed up and she wasn't going to come. And I remember, I remember going, God damn it. I'm like, Angie, I'm like, you know, I could have called a cab. I could have gotten us out of here. We're 15 minutes away. So I went upstairs and I told my little sister, I said, Brianne, you need to get us out of here. We need to drive out of here. And she was sitting in her bedroom with the door shut with her phone in there and just acting very bizarre. And um, she finally reluctantly got into her car and she's like, where do you want me to take you? And I'm like, just take me to a hotel. I just need to be out of here. So she brought us over to this hotel in Apple Valley, and I remember getting there, and I had a fight with her in the car about all this because she was she didn't believe anything that I was saying. She either didn't believe it, she's involved in it, or she's ignorant to it. One of the three, but either either three, none of them were helping us. And so, um, I got out of the car with my girls, and I had all those five bags of documents and a bag of clothes, and I was trying to get one of those carts and put all of our stuff up on the cart and the cart fell off the curb and all of our stuff fell over. I'm reminding you it's February in Minnesota and it's cold and there's snow. I finally get us inside the lobby and well, I had my girls inside the entryway and I get us inside the lobby and I go up to the front desk and I'm talking to the front desk clerk and I'm like, I'm in, I'm fleeing a domestic abuse situation. And I said, and this is where I kind of screwed up to and I said, and I, and I found sex trafficking information and we're in danger. And it was probably a very radical story. Only the woman behind the counter believed me. And she told me she was going to help me. And she said she was going to have a, because I told her, I said, I have money, but I can't stay at this hotel because my little sister knows my location and she's going to give it up. So I said, what I really need is for a ride out of this hotel to another hotel so that nobody knows where our location is until Monday when I can go back to court to get a protective order because I, w I couldn't go home and I couldn't be anywhere that anybody knew of until I had a protective order on Monday. So I had three days that we couldn't go home. 
and no car. Thank you, mother. And uh, so the lady comes over to me and tells me that she's got a shuttle bus and she's going to go to the Mall of America and she'd be happy to take me there to another hotel. And I was like, great. So I asked her if I could use the computer to like book a hotel room. And she was she let me go behind the counter with my children. And we sat behind there and I couldn't get the Internet to work. And so then I, I was going to go and call the 1-800 number to book it over the phone. So I go back to the front desk with my kids. And what do I see out of the corner of my eye but two police officers walking into the hotel they took me off to the side my daughters were sitting down at the table with the the other hotel lady came over and brought them like a little snack and something to drink while i was talking to the police and sophia full well knew what was going on um this is why she was so deathly afraid to tell me the secret by the way and the police officers called the dakota county social services person or whatever and they came over and I told them what was going on. I told them what I found. I told them about the abuses for three years. I told them nobody was investigating. Nobody was doing anything. And I told them that I, my children were not going over to their fathers. And they told me that I had to go on a 72-hour hold. So now the ambulance is called. Now I'm being taken off into a 72-hour hold with my children. Um, my children, and guess what? My little sister, the one that gave up my location and ultimately got me uh, put on a 72-hour hold and got my children physically taken away from me, was uh, was sitting there in two minutes. She was she arrived at the hotel room, and they're trying to pin the the phone call to the police on the front desk clerk. That's what it says in the police report. They're, the the front desk clerk took the fall for calling the police when in fact. It wasn't her. It was my little sister. And I just want to make sure that that's very clear. Um, because there's no way that the police had my sister's cell phone number or that the front desk lady had my sister's cell phone number and they didn't know who I was. So um, how in the hell did my sister get there in two minutes? Right? Good question, huh? So my sister's taken the kids. Dakota County tra gives custody of my children over to my sister for 72 hours they put me on a 72 hour hold so we were both supposed to get up out of the 72 hour hold at the same time mind you it's valentine's day which is a holiday so that day doesn't count neither do the weekends so i was already in the mental facility for three days before my 72 hours was up it was officially six days and then by then they'd already talked to my mother and my mother got them to keep me there for four more days which i stayed voluntarily the last four days but get this my little sister transferred custody over to my stepbrother, who I have no idea who they even are. And they tr and him and his wife gave custody back to my children's father before the 72-hour hold was up. Okay. Um, that's a hard moment for me. I'm sorry. So I get out of the mental facility. My father actually comes to pick me up. And um, I got served with a paper while I was in in the mental in the mental facility and um it was for a motion ex parte hearing jeff had hired an attorney paid a big bucks downtown attorney to do a motion ex parte hearing so i'm out of the mental facility for two days and i go and sit down in front of judge perkins judge richard c perkins and I know Judge Perkins because he's the one who called Jeff out in his false allegations of domestic abuse against me in 2012. And so I didn't know what was about to hit me. I didn't even know that there was a, a chance that I could lose my children to this man. Um, but they spoke, the attorney spoke for about 
30 seconds to the judge. And then the judge looked over at me and said, it's your turn. And I was sitting totally alone. And I started saying, talking about the sexual abuse. And 15 seconds later, the judge says, nope, you're rambling. And he signed his name. And then this piece of paper flew across the desk to this bailiff who gave it to his lawyer. And he stood up and put his jacket on and gave me the biggest shit-eating grin you have ever seen in your life. Right? And child support was sitting there with him, patting him on the back, you know. They're all in on it. This is, um... So... Now he has temporary custody of my two daughters, the two daughters that he's been sexually abusing for three and a half years and forget the abuse on me because what he wants is my demise. You see, he wants me dead or in a mental facility or in jail. Um, it's not going to happen by the way. And, uh, it went, it was 35 days that he wouldn't let my children speak to me or see me. And the first phone call that I got was from my Vivi Rose. She's three years old. And she called me and she was screaming on the phone, Mommy, Mommy, I need you. I need you, Mommy. I need you for 20 minutes. And all of a sudden the phone went click and it hung up. And it was about a week before I got another phone call. And that phone call was from Sophia. And now, mind you, I have a restraining order out against me, so I can't call his phone number. See, that's part of the trick. The trick is, is that, while they're sexually abusing your children, while they're grooming the institutions, while the institutions are helping them abuse the, the parent with the children through child support, through service, social services, whatever, um, they are grooming your family to, to trust them. And, um, and they're sex trafficking your children. Child porn, using hypnosis, electroshock therapy. I mean, there's, this thing is so sick, it's not even funny. Uh, Come, I asked my daughter one time what church her daddy goes to. And you know what she said to me? She said, my daddy's a liar. She was five. What the hell does that mean? My daddy's a liar? What? Like, so the next phone call was from Sophia. And she calls me and she's like, hi, mommy. And she's like crying a little bit and she's teary-eyed. And my daughter's not really a crier. So this was shocking. You know, it's hard. And she was like, there's something I have to tell you. And she's like, I got to go upstairs. And so I think she's walking up the stairs or whatever. And she's like giggling. She's like, hee hee, my daddy's following me. And I'm like, that's okay, baby. You can talk. You can, you know, mommy, you can tell mommy anything. And she's like, hee hee hee, my daddy's listening in on our conversation. And I said, that's okay, baby. You can tell mommy anything. And she's like, okay. She's like, I got to tell you something. Click. The phone hangs up. I don't get to see or speak to my children for two more weeks this is called psychological abuse, people. Not only on my children or myself, but I mean, not only on myself, but on my children. What, what he did, he told my children for 35 days that their mother just left them and doesn't love them. Okay? Imagine being two little girls who have never, ever been separated from their mother since conception in their whole life. All they know is their mother. And this is what they're all of a sudden being told. Now I'm put on supervised visitation. Now I'm paying $100 a week in cash only to a visitation center where I'm being monitored 
and sat with two people sitting there writing down my every word. And when you, when you can't, when you don't speak loud enough, they write that down as a mark against you. My daughter held up a toy to her vagina after waving to the writers to try and get their attention. And she held it there. And I looked over at her and I said, Sophia, I said, baby, why did you do that? And she said, because it feels good. Okay. This is not my child, people. This is something that is happening to her. And she's been trying to holler at us, at all of us, for three years, giving signs and signals in every way she possibly can, except speaking, because she's afraid her mother's going to die. She needs help. I have been seeing my children every week since must be April, March. One of the first times it was it was a long time before I first got to see them. Paying cash, I've lost our home again. It only took twelve weeks at a hundred dollars a week of seeing them, and that's not child support, people. That's just cash for visitation center. Why is a visitation center extorting children? You want to know what happened on Mother's Day? Mother's Day, I uh, got a brand new check card that Friday, and they didn't send me my PIN number, and my bank was 65 miles away, so I figured I'll just go early and I'll write a check, right, and I'll show them that I have the funds in my account on my phone. I go to three different banks that morning, and no one would let me cash a check for $100, so I didn't have cash. So I go to the visitation center, and like a bouncer at the door, the guy's standing there for the cash. And I said, I don't have cash, but I showed him my funds in my bank. I said, I have the money. I just don't have cash. Can I write a check? What can I do? My friend will drive from two hours away to come bring cash. Like, what can I do? And he said, you've got to cancel your visit. And I said, I can't cancel my visit. I said, he'll tell my children that I just didn't show up. And he's like, you have to cancel. And so I'm bawling at the front door. And uh, I know what this man's going to do to my children, um, what he's going to do to their precious little minds if I don't have this visit and I beg this guy to just at least let my children know that I was there. Please let my children know that I was there. The next day was mother's day people. Um, he finally says, okay, I'll break the rules. And he's like, I'll let the, I'll make sure that they know that you were here. So crying, I walk away and go to my car devastated, knowing that my children are going to be devastated because they drove 40 minutes to come see me. And um, this was only like our this was like our ninth or 10th visit or something like that. But it was, it was very anyways. So I'm almost to my car and all of a sudden the side door opens up and my two little girls come out and they see me and they, they're like, mommy, mommy. And they're running up to me and they run up to me and I knelt down and I had Sophia on my left leg and I had Vivi on my right leg and they were sitting there and I'm hugging them both so tight. And I knew I didn't have much time. And, um, I didn't because I was telling him that um, mommy couldn't have the visit today and how sorry I was. And and then the door opened up and uh, Jeff, their dad, and the visitation center guy come walking out. And the visitation center guy whispers over to Jeff. And then the two of them start running it, running to, uh, to me, running to my children. They ran as fast as they could, ripped my children up out of my arms. My children had to throw their Mother's Day gifts that they had made for me at my feet. They turned around to throw their dandelions that they had picked for me down at my feet. And the visitation center guy stood between me and my children and waited until they got into the car and drove away. 
And I'm still kneeling down on my knees with my hands up going, is this really necessary? And that's exactly how I said it. So now I'm being treated like a dangerous criminal because I don't have cash. Okay. I'm a paralegal. I work in the law. I grew up in the law. My passion was the law and children. This is absurd. This judge knows that I know that he's connected to sex trafficking. This judge knows that I know that he is protected and funded by cartel family money. They know that I know that the police are involved, the bailiffs are involved, Child Protective Services is involved, the guardian ad litems are involved, the psychiatrists, the psychologists, the social services workers, the investigators, um, the domestic violence advocates, the courts, the judges, you name it. Anybody you would actually call for help in a situation such as ours is actually the people who are in on it to the point where they, I couldn't figure out for three years how a single woman could go homeless with two children and get food stamps cut off. Why would nobody help us? I couldn't figure it out. Now I know. There's a plan out there, people. And um, it's not just happening to me. I happen to be one of about 10 in Carver County alone. Check out carvercountycorruption.com. And um, there are plenty of other mothers. There's plenty of other information as to what's going on. But they are giving the abusers, the pedophiles, the children, and they're putting the protective mothers away. There have been mothers who have been taken to other states and locked up in mental facilities. Um, another mother was sentenced to uh, five felonies because her daughter was running away from the father who was sexually abusing her and running to her mother against a court order and um, for her to not see her children because that's what they do. That's what they do. They make you crazy by abusing your children and, and then when you reach out for help, they just close your cases so you're forced to keep dealing with them. Um, they're all in on it. And... And I need help because I've got two little girls out there who I promised that I was going to stop the abuse. And mommy keeps promises, not secrets. And um, I just want to know why the investigator, Pat Murphy of Carver County, last Monday told me that not only is he not going to look at or talk about the sex trafficking information, on that Lenovo tablet of my daughter's, but um, instead he wanted my mental health records. So you see where this is going. They're going to try and put me in a mental facility or in jail or both and take my children. And God only knows what will happen to my children because I have only just tipped the iceberg of what is actually going on and all I'm asking for is for people to help me investigate and find out why no one is investigating. That's it. It's obvious that this is one door onto a much larger and very dark world. Yes. 
it's 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 uh I'm in groups with mothers with 10,000 mothers in in just the United States who are all experiencing what I am experiencing um I mean I don't know if it's on the level of sex trafficking but 10,000 mothers nationwide who have reported sexual abuse and the abusers end up with the children whoever has the money has the control you see and um that's you got to follow the money that's what i want to know where's the money going that's where i would start awful lot of fraud going on out there an awful lot of cover-ups and an awful lot of closures you know i am on the verge of um of losing two of the most beautiful little children that God could have ever gifted me with and that's that's not going to happen see they uh they messed with the wrong woman's children if they wanted to keep this a secret <laughs> because um mommy doesn't keep secrets not this mommy i don't really know where to go from here except that um I have a guardian ad litem. I have three mandated reports with my new psychologist. Oh, I should tell you about the psychologist and what they said in the psychiatrist. The first psychiatrist at the first mental place in this first 72-hour hold back in February. That psychiatrist yelled at me across the table how intelligent I was. Amy, you are intelligent. You are intelligent. Okay, then after I lost my children, I had to go into this thing called partial hospitalization because I had to go sit in a classroom for from nine o'clock in the morning until three o'clock in the afternoon because I didn't know how to breathe without my children. They put me on six different medications at the time. Um, four of them were anti-anxiety, anti-agitation, sleep, this, that. Um, and then the county psychologist and the county psychiatrists, they told me that I was delusional. Well, then they did me a favor and after Mother's Day, um, they put me on a 72-hour hold again because I missed a psychiatry appointment. And it was at that facility that the entire, the director of the whole entire mental ward sat in front of me who didn't even know why I was there. He let me go two days early, and he looked at me and said, delusions don't last this long, okay? And then I found the next psychologist who for the first time in three and a half years, I found somebody who actually believes everything I've ever said and has made now three reports, three mandated reports have been made in three weeks. And now all of a sudden my guardian ad litem has gone silent. Um, no one is doing anything. No one's moving. And what they're going to do is they're going to try and say that I'm mental and while they're trying to figure out if I'm, well, they know I'm not crazy, but if, when they're trying to figure out what to do with me and while they're going to be forced because of these mandated reports that are coming through from, from somebody who's credible, like a credible psychologist, um, they're going to be forced to remove the children. And where do you think they're going to put my children? In foster care. Because there's no money to be made in bringing my children back to me, their mother, not only that, but that implicates Carver County in their negligence with 
this entire situation. My daughter's been penetrated. Three years ago, when I first reported this to Carver County, it could have been stopped right then and there. Now my daughter's been penetrated. Just sit on that for a minute. She's seven. Thank you so much. This is a horrible subject, but um, it's going on all over the place. It's global. It's not just here. It's not just me. I am one of many. Our children are, this is happening to hundreds of probably thousands of children all over the globe. I mean, pedophiles are ruling our world right now. This is this is it's stopping with me. I'm I'm stopping it. I promised. I don't have a choice. <laughs> I don't have a choice. So I'm so grateful that you gave me this opportunity to tell this horrible story. But um, I've got two really strong little girls, and I'm pretty strong myself. And and um, and we're gonna be all right because because we are. Well, Amy, we're going to do what we can to help you. We're going to put your information on the website, and I believe Russell has already talked to you about what it is we can do for you. Thank you so much. Well, thank you for telling us your story. If anyone wants to help out there, we're going to put all your information on the YouTube channel, on the Facebook page, and we'll be doing updates with you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this has been a very different program. And hopefully we're going to have a good resolution. This has been Secrets of Saturn. Good night.